Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice though, they really mean flavor. Like in your face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either, but it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice, anything but subtle. Well, friends, I am so proud of you. You have stuck with this educational week of unpacking and understanding the power of the Holy Spirit. I am so glad you're here. And I love seeing and hearing and reading some of the comments you guys are making about this podcast and what you're learning. So thank you for saying yes to yourself. And thank you for saying yes to the Holy Spirit, having full reign in your life. Now, if you're listening to this and you were like, okay, so we discussed yesterday about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've asked the Holy Spirit to come in and have full reign in my life. And I just feel like I don't have any spiritual gifts. I don't know what God's calling me to. This podcast is for you today. I've entitled it The Waiting Room because here's the truth. Most of us are in the wait, as in we're waiting for God to reveal new depths, new gifts, and new levels of our faith. But in life, I know that there's so many of us that are waiting in general. Some of us are waiting for someone to come in and date us, waiting to be debt-free, waiting for the perfect job, waiting to discover our purpose, waiting for our spouse to change or our marriage to change, waiting for our business to explode, waiting for school to be done, waiting for school to start, waiting for the baby weight to come off, waiting for the healing. We are in the waiting. Now, I don't need to ask this question, but let's play a rhetorical game. How many of you have ever waited on something? How many of you have ever waited on someone how many of you have ever waited on God to do something? Let me tell you the honest truth. Some people hate waiting, but y'all, I loathe waiting. It's like I shrivel up and die inside. You will commonly hear me say things like, this is such a waste of my life. I'm a maximizer. As in every second I'm not doing something productive, I feel like I'm wasting my life. Even now, I'm about to cook dinner, but I'm like, I could squeeze in the recording of this podcast just one more. Okay, that's me. But you know what I hate more than waiting? hurrying up to wait. Okay, so if you've ever traveled with Matthew Ray Oltoff, it's basically like moving life in military precision. He wants to rush out the door with 72 hours in advance before any flight and hurry up and rush to the gate just so that we can sit there and do absolutely nothing. Friends, when I say I hate to wait, I am dead serious. In fact, I have missed four, yes, one, two, three, four flights because I don't want to sit at the gate and listen to other people breathe. I just want to like roll up and head up on the plane. But let me also tell you this, the secret to breakthrough, the secret to a promise fulfilled in your life is in the waiting. We see this in life. When something is being birthed, everyone else is in the waiting room. Someone is birthing something with breath and life and others are waiting in eager anticipation in the waiting room. Let me put it this way in Acts chapter two, verse two, suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. There will be a suddenly, but for there to be a suddenly, there must be a waiting patiently. Ooh, yes, yes, you can quote me on that one. There will be a suddenly, but for there to be a suddenly, there has to be a waiting patiently. The waiting is where breakthrough begins. This is that place. Now is when breakthrough can happen and begin. The suddenly is birthed from a waiting patiently. The portion of text that we just read is referred to in our calendar as Pentecost Sunday. Everyone who understands the power of Pentecost, we could say power. Why? Because we all know what Pentecost means. It means 50. 
It is the day that we celebrate Jesus making good on a promise that he made to his people. Jesus would leave them with more than just principles, but he promised that he would leave them with power. But it comes out of the waiting. They were in the waiting. They were the waiting for the Holy Spirit. Guess what? We are in the waiting. They were in the waiting, but they didn't know what it would look like. And guess what? We are in the waiting and don't know what it's going to look like, what our life is going to look like. What's next? What does God have for us? We see this reality revealed in Acts chapter one that we read earlier at the top of the week, that it was after the resurrection of Jesus that he had conversations with his disciples, his apprentices, his mentees, and they sat at his feet learning from him for three years. They had eaten with Jesus. They'd gone on boat rides with him. They've gotten rebuked by him. They got corrected by him. They got connected because of him. And yet in the midst of this final critical key conversation that he has with disciples, Jesus in Acts chapter one, verse four, on occasion that he was eating with them, he tells them this, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. So he's like, all right, listen, I'm going to leave and you don't know what's going to happen, but know that you've been trained and everything that I've preached and everything that I've taught you and all this other stuff, it's going to happen. He says, but don't do anything until the gift that my father has promised. Now, you would think that people who've been mentored by Jesus for three years, coached by Christ, educated by Emmanuel for three years, you would think that they would have all that they need to effectively and appropriate live life that God intended. However, Jesus knew that if we were going to live life God's way, we were going to need more than principles. We were going to need God's power. Hello, that's a ripe place for an amen. I'm going to teach you all how to talk back in church. You're going to go to church on Sunday. Your pastor's going to be like, what filled you? And you can say the power of God. All right. Okay. We need more than education and information. What we need is assistance. In other words, it was never God's expectation that God's people would carry out God's principles without God's power. I'm going to say that again. It was never God's expectation that God's people would carry out God's principles without God's power. We cannot live with the principles of God without God's power. You want me to love my enemies? You want me to bless those who curse me? You want me to forgive those who hurt me? You want me to believe for things that feel like everything is against me? Well, guess what? God knows that we cannot do that without his power. But I love what Jesus said in John 14. And I will ask my father and he will give you an advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. So Jesus is saying, I want to give you more than just hope. I want to give you help. And his help gives us hope. Again, friends, that'll preach, all right? Jesus spent the majority of his ministry telling his disciples, you need something else. Jesus spent the most of his time saying, listen, I'm a central part of God's plan. I'm the key part of God's plan. I'm the most important, redemptive, and atoning part of God's plan. But I'm not the only part of God's plan. See, God the Father creates, Jesus the Son redeems, but the Holy Spirit empowers Jesus said, I'm responsible for making sure you get to heaven, but there is one coming after me and he's responsible that you get a little bit more heaven here on earth. My God, Jesus told them, you've got me, but if you're going to live like me, you need something else. Let me share a quick story. When I served in youth ministry, there was a girl in my youth ministry, and this was shortly after me asking God, like, God, I want you to reveal yourself to me. I want you to show me that the gifts weren't just for Acts chapter two and three and four, or the book of Acts or just the New Testament, that the gifts were for today. Well, there was a girl that was in the youth ministry that I was serving in, and um, I remember one night she came to youth group. It was midweek youth group, Wednesday night. She came to me in tears, telling me, that her mom, who was the powerful matriarch of her family and the spiritual leader of her family, quite honestly, that had been diagnosed with um, thyroid cancer. And the doctors were going to do immediate surgery the following week. It was a very dangerous situation. And so I prayed with Tanya and we believed for healing and health. Well, 
that weekend, my mom hosted this annual women's retreat. And it was there at the women's retreat that I was desiring to learn more about the spirit of God and his gifts and how he operates and actually having this thing called faith, believing that God can do what he said that he can do. Well, at the conference during a moment of worship, one of my mom's friends who helped her lead the ministry went forward and she said, I believe that the Lord is going to heal somebody in here. Well, okay. That's generic. All right. Praise God. I believe that somebody is struggling with a diagnosis. I believe it's a cancer diagnosis. And at that point, I'm like, hmm, that's a little specific. And then she put her hand on her throat, the side of her throat, I'll never forget. And with the tips of her fingers, she just kept on like tapping the side of her throat. She's like, I believe that somebody was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and the Lord wants to heal you. Now, at that point, I was like, that is real specific. Guess what? I didn't even know this, but my youth group girl, her mom was at that retreat. And out of the corner of my eye, I see her stand to her feet and come forward. And there was a bunch of women that surrounded her to pray for her. Now she was very emotional. And I was just like, wow, that was really specific. I wonder if she knew Tanya's mom. You know, that's what I'm thinking. Very logical. Of course, I've got faith, but I want some answers. Listen, y'all, as God is a witness, I can't even make this up. Tanya comes. She was at youth group on Wednesday. The retreat was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Tanya comes to youth group the next Wednesday. The surgery was scheduled for Tuesday. Tanya comes in hair blowing like the wind, like a wild banshee out of the countryside. And she comes running and she said, Bianca, you will not believe this. My mom went in for the surgery and the doctors could not detect the cancer. They said that it was a medical anomaly. And I was like, nah, girl, that's called a miracle. Okay. I saw it with my own eyes. And it was those miracles that really made me believe, wait a minute, God does want to move on this earth. And he wants to use his people to do that. I knew I wanted to possess that sort of faith, that sort of gift, that sort of prophetic edge. I knew I wanted it, but I knew I had to wait. We can't emulate in public what we don't possess in private. See, it starts internally. We're striving externally. We want the signs, we want the wonders, but guess what? It starts internally. Well, if you find yourself in a season of waiting, that's what I want to talk about. What do we do here? All of us want to see positive change, but we are more concerned with God changing our circumstances rather than God changing us. So we pray things like, God, please change this, change that, change him, change her. You know, they need it. But you know what it first should start off with? God, change me. And that's where we find the disciples 2,021 years ago. They were waiting for Acts chapter two. They were waiting for change to happen. So let's take a look at their waiting period. You can stay in Acts chapter one, but I'm going to read Luke 24, 49 over us. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Well, we read in Acts chapter one, verse four, that Jesus told his followers to wait until the spirit comes. So the disciples waited. And I want to talk about the 10 days the disciples waited after Jesus ascended to heaven. What did it feel like to wait? Do you want to know that some of the greatest revivals, even the greatest revivals in North America, like Azusa Street Revival or the Jesus Movement, do you know that it began with people waiting and praying? There was nothing going on, but they were waiting and praying. That's why I'm doing this podcast this week, because y'all, we are in the waiting. I'm getting emotional thinking about it. I'm... I'm so convinced that God is going to bring revival again to this earth in a way and in a way that we can't articulate or even explain, but I want to be ready in the waiting. 
because something happened between the 40 day period of Jesus revealing himself and then the 10 day period of waiting. And remember 40 plus 10 is 50, 50 is Pentecost, hello. In his last phrases, his last words, people say, oh, God's last words were the great commission. Uh huh. No, get your scriptures right. His last phrases were stay and wait until you have power on high. So somebody tell yourself, stay. Now you listen to this podcast and you didn't do it, but you're not being obedient. I'm going to say, tell yourself, stay. Thank you. Now tell yourself, wait. Okay. Because Joseph waited 16 years and Abraham waited 25 years and David waited 30 years and Moses waited 40 years and Mary waited 30 years and Jesus waited 30 years and Jacob waited for Rebecca. I am in the waiting I'm in the waiting. And y'all, I'm not just talking about the spiritual waiting and the revival waiting. Y'all, I'm waiting for my house. I'm waiting for my dream house. You want to talk about gifts of miracles and gifts of faith? That's where I'm living in right now. I have rented all the years that I have been married to Matthew Ray Oltoff. And for reasons that we are trying to change aggressively, I am believing that the Lord is going to grant me with a supernatural miracle house. And no, I don't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be a matchbox or whatever. If I, Listen, if I have faith, you better believe I'm going to ask for the amazing things. I want the huge kitchen island. I want one of those like built-in television in my bathroom mirrors. Yeah, that's the type of specificity I am praying with, okay? So everyone listening, we're waiting. We're in a waiting room. So how do we have hope in that waiting room when we don't yet see our promise? The first thing you need to know is how to identify where your waiting room is. Some of you are waiting in the wrong places with the wrong people doing the wrong things. Okay, well, let's take a look at the where. Where did God tell them to wait? Now, we're all waiting on promises of God, but where do we wait? If you ask most people, where do the followers of Jesus wait? They will most likely tell you in the upper room. But that's only partially true. Yes, we're dropping some theology. Back it up. In Acts chapter 1, verse 12, it says that the apostles returned to Jerusalem. Okay? And it was a Sabbath day walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. So we learn from verse 12 that they were in the city the day before Sabbath. That would indicate that they were in the temple. They were not in the upper room the entire 10 days, like in a holy huddle, us four and no more. No, they were out in the streets. They were in the temple. And then in Luke chapter 24, verse 52, it records with specificity, it said that they were in the temple continuously. So let's make this plain. Where were they? They were in God's house and with God's people. Some of y'all need to hear that because y'all been ditching church for a really long time and you're like, oh, I don't feel safe with COVID. Yeah, so you go on vacation and you go to the beach and you go to Target, but you don't go to church. Nope, I'm coming for you today, all right? Where were they? They were with God's people in God's house. It was a very common occurrence in the New Testament. They were at the temple and they were in their house. And one of my favorite things about the church is that it started in our house, Matt and I's house. And yes, the rented house that I love so much and I'm so grateful for, but it started here. And the beautiful thing is that it spread out to other dinner tables across not just Orange County, but LA and Inland Empire. And now there's dinner parties happening across the world on behalf of TFH. It's crazy. Now, what's the bigger and more strategic principle that we can learn here? Well, what's the greatest commandment? Love God, love your neighbor. Relationship with God, relationship with people. Where did they wait? In God's house with God's people. Where should you wait? Y'all, I'm advocating the same. In God's house with God's people. I expect to know that all y'all are gonna be in your house, in the house of God near your local community or online if you're part of our online campus with God's people. Number two, what do we do in the waiting room now? What do you do 
now that you are in the right place with the right people. So let's look at how we wait. In Acts chapter one, verse 14, it says, they all joined together constantly in prayer. So how did the disciples wait? How should we wait? In prayer and supplication. I know, I know, supplication feels like a big theological word. You know what supplication means? It means to ask fervently, passionately. It's not like rub-a-dub-dub thanks to the grub. No, it is like, I am begging, I am pleading, I'm believing. Prayer is so part and parcel of my faith and my walk, and I want it to be contagious for other people. In fact, at the Father's house, and clearly my context is TFHOC, so bear with me, but it's so important to me that we actually have a daily prayer meeting, seven o'clock every single morning on Zoom, and there's people from across the world and across the nation that join us. Now, it's not very many people, but it's just enough, because you know what? If 11 men could flip the world right side up and a praying room of people the Holy Spirit fell. I just can't imagine what God can do with the people that are gathered in our prayer meetings. Hello. So our faith ancestors were people of prayer and supplication. And guess what? So are we. If you're like, is she clapping at me? I am. Yes. Now, I believe that we are a people who can proclaim that God is God and God is a God of miracles. Prayer and supplication has to be part and parcel of us taking a step and believing God. Uh, right before COVID hit, there was a woman by the name of Lily who came to one of our church services and she was begging for a miracle. Her and her husband, again, were struggling with infertility and they had come to wit's end. It got to the point where they had been on their knees begging God for a child. And one of our prayer team members prayed over them and anointed them and simply believed and were hoping for a miracle. Well, guess what? Within four weeks, the woman got pregnant and she delivered a healthy baby and the baby is now six months old and part of the children's ministry at the father's house. One of the sweetest parts of this baby miracle is her name. Her name is Eliana and that name means God has answered. Prayer is a huge and vital part of the New Testament church and it needs to be a vital part of our lives as well. Prayer is not just for our lives. It was for Jesus's life too. You want to know how Jesus waited for the spirit to come upon him? Haha, <laughs> I'm glad you asked. In Luke chapter three, we see that Jesus was being baptized. And not only did he roll up on John who was baptizing others, Jesus wanted to get baptized. And check out what it says in verse 21 of Luke chapter three. And as he was praying, heaven opened. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus, the son of God was praying before he got baptized. He was waiting and he was praying. How should we wait? Aha, prayer and supplication. In Acts chapter four, verse 31, there's this one phrase that said, when they had prayed, why did he make them wait 10 days? Why does God make us wait? And we can ask ourselves this question, like, why did I lose my job? Why did this happen? Why did my wife get sick? Why did my child die? Why did my scholarship get taken back? These are tough questions with no easy answer. But sometimes God makes us wait because he's God. He knows more than we will ever know. He's all knowing, but not only all knowing, he's all loving. He also makes us wait to build up our faith. And it's in the waiting that the disciples went deeper in their relationship with God. And it is in our waiting that we have the opportunity to go deeper in our relationship with God. Why do we wait? To know God more and to anticipate his timing. So as we close out, I want to remind you, do you have faith in the waiting? What are you waiting for? I want to hear about it on social media. Go ahead and drop me a DM or post it in your stories. Tag me at Bianca Oltoff. I really do believe that this podcast series, it's not going to be for everyone. 
but I do believe that it will have a definite impact in the lives of people who want to go deeper in their faith and they're in a place of waiting. I'm just going to pray a prayer of blessing over all of us who are experiencing some waiting and believe in faith. Even if you don't have it, I have it for both of us. Spirit of the living God, we invite you into this space and place. And yes, you can use technology, even like a podcast to bring out the miraculous. I pray that you meet the needs of people who are in the waiting season. I believe, Lord God, that there's people waiting for their marriage to be restored. I believe there's people that are waiting for a job or waiting for something to shift, waiting for something to change, waiting for something to break. God, I stand with them in faith and I ask that you bind my faith with theirs. I believe, Lord God, that you are going to do miraculous things and they can markedly look back and see that it was your hand and the understanding of your spirit that you've given us to live empowered lives that brought change. I pray for every single person listening. I pray that you bless them. And as we continue on this series, I pray that you reveal yourself to them in new and mighty ways, in gifts, in visions, in dreams, in trust, in hope, in faith, in love, and yes, you enjoy. We thank you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, friends. I can't wait to meet up with you tomorrow. Tomorrow.